Well, it was all that I could do to keep from crying. Well, you know who, who had his ashes uh, spread at home plate? The dude that did the Go Cubs Go song. Yeah, Wasn't him Goodman? Steve Goodman? Yeah, Steve Goodman. You know what else he wrote? He wrote the perfect country and western song, and then he sent it to either Waylon Jennings or one of those guys. Well, a friend of mine named Steve Goodman wrote that song, and he told me it was the perfect country and western song. They read it, and they said, this is almost perfect, but you didn't mention anything about mama or prison. Because <laughs> he hadn't said anything at all about mama or train. Or train or pickup trucks or trucks. So then Goodwin allegedly wrote the next verse, which okay. was it was raining the day my mama got out of prison. The day my mom got out of prison. And I went to pick her up. <laughs> Hello, welcome back, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Andrew Underboard, SP Futures up 8, and if he's up 49 after a huge rally in the AI stocks yesterday. And the key thing is uh, blowout forecast by NVIDIA. Not blowout numbers, but blowout forecast. So we talked our way up, and maybe it'll, you know, maybe it'll stay there. But uh, I talked to a whole bunch of people. We have Mr. Kevin. Good morning. Uh, you, also have, you also got Mike Murphy on the line. Well, were your ears burning last night? Mine? Yeah. How many adjectives were in front of my name? Uh, I was talking to some people, and they were talking about AI, and I said, one thing about AI is virtually nobody who talks about it has any idea what it is, <laughs> which is par for the course, I guess. I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I do what I learned from you and Carl. It's a progression. It's, it's an advancement. It has to do with uh, more powerful chips, bigger data collection, and it's been ongoing for 40 years, and it's just reaching kind of another stage. And, oh, and I, I think that's that, that's the point, Tom, and that's why NVIDIA is doing well. And I, I've, I, I need to pull up this uh, um, newer company, too. It's a, it's a small um, startup, and I just can't remember the name off the top of my head, but they specialize in high-end chips that can do this. Is You know, you're, you're different kinds of chipsets, you're different kinds of construct, um, all, uh, all play into you know the what what's the right application but it always gets back to what's the enabling technology what what grows that all of a sudden says a concept is now something that we can practically do and uh, uh, you know the, as far as processing power uh, there's there's something called Moore's law um, that pretty much holds true and that just says that the uh, um, the growth in computing power, the uh, the number of transistors that you can put on an integrated circuit doubles about every two years. Really, and 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 that's been historically true. So you know, sometimes you just have to have the power in your processor to be able to do what you want to do. It, it, you know, if you remember back to you know early internet applications, and and we, you know we talk about uh, uh, data transfer speeds and we talk about processing power and things like that. And some of us older folks will remember you'd go online on the internet, and when it when it was going to give you a picture, it would very very slowly paint your picture. From oh yeah, there, oh, yeah. Your, your screen from the top down, and browsers actually had settings in those days to say 
don't show the pictures. You could always right-click where a picture was supposed to be and just load that one. But the, the way to speed up your Internet experience was to say, don't show the pictures until I want to see a specific picture, because, uh, because otherwise it's too slow. Well, then for sure, with the old dial-ups, you didn't want a picture. Well, yeah, because you were doing, you know, if you were lucky, you were doing uh, a 300 BPS yeah. bits per second, you know, uh, transmission, and you might have been doing 100. Now we talk about gigabytes. So it, it's, you know, it, it really is, as you go from one step to the next in terms of the technology, then the things that you have you can implement. We, you, taught, you mentioned yesterday talking about database technology. Well, you know what? I, I remember uh, back in the... Uh, um, in the 70s when uh, you know you used uh, uh, you, you had files I, I worked in banking at the time and and you, your files basically had one index on them you could look things up by account number and that was it because indexes are overhead and overhead creates problems and then they got really really bold and they rolled out the ability to have an alternate index a second index so now you could look up your account number or your social security number and and that you know that was you know state of the art it wasn't because nobody had any idea how to do indexing and how to make multiple things you know you get to a relational database where everything is indexed uh, uh, every every data element in in the whole uh, set is uh, is indexed uh, it w it wasn't that we didn't know how to make more than one uh, data element and an you know an indexable and therefore a queryable uh, ver uh, type of uh, uh, factor it was that we just couldn't do it we couldn't you couldn't practically do it unless you wanted every query to take 10 minutes to respond what uh Mike good morning if you're, if you're here uh, the uh, good morning Tom um, I'm, I'm quizzing our man Kevin. Kevin, what was the the major breakthrough of Oracle? weren't weren't they 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 let off in the being able to to store big hunks of data? What was their innovation that allowed them to do that? Well, it, it was it was relational databases, which which it, it not only did relational databases mean that everything was uh, an indexable item that you could query. So now you could you know you could query by um, uh, by account number, social security number, name, uh, balance fields. Give me every everything that has a balance of over a thousand dollars, and and uh, sort it in the sequence. That 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 whole concept of relational databases. But then what happened with that is we started breaking them, and th and this is where the true relational database comes in. You start breaking everything into tables, so that now you don't have these gigantic master files with lots of information in them. You'll have you have it broken into customer data. Uh, account data, transaction data, all of those kinds of things, and they all start relating to each other because you're building ways to get around them, and that it, uh, had a whole query language that came with it, so you start to get, you know, how that works, and it was all of these different pieces, you know, kind of falling together step by step, and Oracle was one of the big leaders in relational databases. My, uh, Microsoft came out with its SQL Server, but I remember IBM having, uh, having uh, um, uh, relational databases uh, available on the mainframe in the 80s, the early 80s, because I remember that we were one of the first banks in Chicago to put, you know, to put them, uh, put one up and to start using it. But we were just using it as a, you know, as an information database. Well, when you, we when, uh, none of none of the software was built around it yet. This is kind of my own my own curiosity, even though I kind of stopped watching these shows. But when you see 
like an NCIS show or something like that where or anybody who's the computer guru, you know, whether it's 24 hours or whatever, and they'll say, well, okay, well, cross-reference, like, the uh, all the people who got driver's licenses in Illinois in the last three years versus, you know, all the people that came from Syria versus males versus Catholics or something. I mean, are you, all those people's databases have to allow you to do that, right? If one of them screwed up, you can't cross-reference, or can you? Well, no, you, uh, uh, that, that's that's the case. Yeah, that's exactly the case, and and this is sort of where, uh, you know, it, it it also means that everybody's got their own uh, own personally, you know, personal or not personal, uh, uh, corporate, private data, uh, protected data, and this is where you start to see blockchain come into play in the supply chain because now everybody can have access to the one source. Now, granted, the way it works is that everybody gets a copy of it and then when you change one then the blockchain platform that you operate on say IBM as an example will then push that out to all of the other uh, ledgers that uh, where everybody has a copy of it but it's basically one source every update goes into every ledger and again that's something that you couldn't have done um, because you just didn't have the processing power or the ability to handle it, you know, handle the data transfers involved in there in a timely way. Um, and you couldn't have done that until the technology involved to catch up to the concept. Where is, uh, you know, one real stupid question, then I want to go into uh, stock valuations and uh, like both of you guys' opinion. Because yesterday was a really a bellwether day um, in terms of the market, in terms of, in terms of valuation. I mean, and the question going forward from here today and onward is, are things now going to be valued like NVIDIA is now valued with this huge hope? And, you know, uh, are now all these stocks going to be valued like that, which is really a lot different than we have we've been valued in a while and clearly not anything fundamentally that I would ever agree with. But I got one quick question. I, I got a thing so while ago. I, I might have asked you at the time. It was one of these outfits that was trying to, uh, you know, protect your history and all this stuff or whatever and uh they sent me something from, from about me Kevin I, I I couldn't believe it I don't know I don't know what database it was on but they had my my address uh when I was going to grammar school in high school where my parents lived they had what grammar school I went to what was my first car I ever got a license for is that that has to come from the Secretary of State? How does somebody a- access that stuff, and how does it go back that far? Where else could it come from? Uh, I can't think of any place else where it could come from, so uh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I mean, is, is it, does the Secretary of State allow people to access for that purpose? Well, uh, they may. Um, a- anybody, there's there's a law, and I can't remember if that was uh, Garn Saint Germain or, or, or which law that was, but it was a 19. 19- uh, early 2000s law that anybody who makes their data uh, um, makes your data available has to well the, either way they have to send you a, diclo- a disclosure saying we do or we don't um, make your data available so you should get that like from you know if you have an insurance policy if you have it and you and so my guess is it, it you know they they have a policy on that about what they will or won't share but I would also suggest that uh, it wouldn't surprise me if governments are exempt from the requirement because they do that kind of crap all the time. Okay. Uh, all right, so on to NVIDIA. Without giving any kind of trading advice one way or the other, 
the stock was up 85 hours yesterday. It's now it blew through its old high, which was a year and a half ago at 321. It's now 381 at 74. So blew through that like dinner through a goose. Uh, they're now up to rough, roughly 95 to 100 times of earnings if you multiply this quarter by four. But even more bizarre, they're up to probably uh, 11 times revenue, which is really, really up there. I mean, uh, we're talking 2,000 numbers, where, where Cisco's revenue was $6 a share and the stock was trading 62 And the stock afterward went down to 6 okay? Uh, I remember being at a uh, seminar in uh, <laughs> typical Dr. J, right? We go to New York... Uh, together. I had to do some stuff. He had to do some stuff. He goes, hey, by the way, I got I double booked tomorrow morning, and uh, I got to give a talk in Brooklyn at like 7. How about covering me? <laughs> okay. i never been to Brooklyn. This is before Brooklyn got nice again. Anyway, I take the subway over, which was easy. I pop up in this hotel, and these people in there were the most somber people ever. And they said, you're supposed to teach us repair strategies. And I go, okay. This is after the market crashed, 2001. And uh, I said, what stock are we talking about? Well, Cisco. The entire room, every single hand had some of the Cisco stuff. It was it was so it was like Apple is today, maybe maybe more so. Cisco and Oracle, they, they everybody was in on those things. So the stock had gone to sixty to sixty five. It was now trading six and a half. And I go, I'm not so sure. I got a repair strategy in the in the in the quiver for for, for that kind of repair. But but anyway, the group was not happy. But I, but finally, I said. What did you guys doing? The thing was was it was ten times revenue. I mean, where did, where did you think it was going to go? What do you mean it was going to go up every day? Everybody said so on TV. I mean, I mean, I, I guess my question is: Is this an aberration? Is just the one of the the assumptions appear to me, uh, and that's what I'm asking you, Kevin. Is that there we're making a, we're making a leap forward here, and the leap forward is and and Joel talked about it earlier in the week. The leap forward is, Chief, you just got to get with it these six or seven stocks are just going to dominate the world going forward, and everybody else is going to fall behind. I mean, NVIDIA is now has enough money that if anybody comes up with a chip that competes against them, they're going to buy them. They can borrow money at, you know, 4% when everybody else is borrowing at 8 They Once you reach that stage, there's just no looking back, and you can't fight yeah, it. Case in point. Um, you know, I, I said there there was there was somebody out there making specialties that was Nuvia, yeah. Um, and Nuvia, you know, has the specialty chip is all built around the idea that you know uh, you're going to need a lot of processing power to take advantage of uh, the growth in 5G and uh, and high powered computing performance, and uh, so Qualcomm bought them. Yeah. And they you know they bought them for what a billion and a half dollars. Um, and, and the people so, and the people in Nuvia are happy as hell to get out. The they're happy to they cash out. You know they they've developed some uh, something new and, and a little innovative, and so they they cash out. And now Qualcomm has a uh, um, you know has a uh, you know something new to sell that's going to help them compete then with uh, um, somebody like Nvidia who's got some innovative chip products as well. And again, yesterday you mentioned Intel. Intel won't be far behind. Well, that's they, I mean, may not, they may not be blazing the trail on that one. 
but you know the same thing AMD you know where, where do they all fit in uh, into it you know you'll probably get down to a just a, a small handful of what's you know who's doing what um, it, it you know it, it's it's interesting because they're they're you know as, as you mentioned Intel was once the leader I remember in any Intel products we if we had you know if we uh, if we were ordering servers we were having servers built for ourselves back in the days when you had to buy big expensive servers and if they put um, uh, just uh, network interface cards in there that were Broadcom we'd say eh, you know what we want to upgrade we want to we want you to we'll spend a little more put in Intel what an AM, AMD was just the absolute also rank competitor right well they they were for a long time but then but they kept grabbing share because they yeah. were you know they they had price on uh, on Intel um, and so you know as as they it, you know you think of it sort of like the uh, um, uh, Korean cars uh, you know uh, Kia is an example, um, but you know there there are uh, several of them. When they first came into the market, you know they were competing a lot with American cars, of co- American made, of course, or not American made, American brands, of course. Um, but they they were also competing with the Japanese cars companies, and everybody thought, well, you know the quality is not good. The prices are really attractive, but the price, uh, but the the quality wasn't good, and uh, they worked to improve it. And if I remember right, they were the ones that put like a five-year no strings attached warranty on it, uh, so that you you didn't have to sweat you know doing repairs after thirty-six thousand miles, and. Uh, and but nowadays, does anybody say uh, if you buy a Korean uh, brand uh, on an automobile, it's going to fall apart and it's cheap? It's not like the Yugo. No, it's it's like they you know they found their uh, niche in the market. AMD did the same thing. Well, I will say this: as somebody who has a older vehicle, um, if you're going to drive one twenty years, even though the, the initial quality of a lot of the the foreign stuff foreign stuff I'm sounding like it's 1968 uh, the foreign stuff might be better certainly is good when it gets into its dotage uh, the part capture the ability I mean you're not you're not going to find I mean if you have a Chevy pickup truck you're going to find it's 30 years old there's five people making parts for it still I mean if you have a a, a land cruiser that's 25 years old I think you got a problem if you when, when it gets older I, I mean I don't I mean that's not gospel but it, but anyway Kevin I, I, the, back to this this valuation stuff uh, there's all kind of, what you just mentioned about the firm being taken over a lot of times that what that happens they never really become competitors That's, you see that in the drug industry all the time but also you end up with people that are owners that end up sometimes giving up their power to the new management class and the management class just wants out so there's no there's no idea that no, we want to be a competitor. We have employees. We have stuff. We're gonna we're gonna hang in here. When the money's right, everybody just wants it and goes. I mean, not everybody, but but I mean, is the is the thing now? Uh, you know, is are these five companies gonna keep going one way and the market going the other? I mean, and there's a lot of things to look at with today's. Where is this rally coming from? The Fed supposedly pulling money out of the system. Are they really? No, they're not. I mean, I guess you can say they are. They're they're down, and they they spent. They popped. Well, I'm just going to run this real quick. But they, uh, uh, they. Matter of fact, there's an article here by somebody. I'm, I'm hopping all over sort of the same subject. There's an article here that if we enter a recession, you want to be in the market because the Fed's going to stop pulling money out of it to the extent they even are, and put money back in. It's going to right back up just like it did in COVID. It's all. It's all a money game. As as one part of the con- of the population is eviscerated by higher prices. 
people who have assets love the higher prices, and nothing is more higher price asset than the market, right? I mean, it's um, we're gonna have to go to break here in a bit, but uh, how's this for a new low this morning on Chicago's expressways? You know, just just when you think, Kevin and Mike, you can't, you've heard it all. Evidently, this morning there was a big crack up on Orion with injuries at 55th Street. Some car stops and some gentlemen hop out with guns and rob the injured and take off. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what good, are we? Good thing we don't have a sick society. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, I did observe something earlier today, and, uh, and, and I always think of this when I see it happen, and, and that is that we do have the foundations of a strong society, if, you know, it, but, it, but it's at a very low level. And that was, as, as I was driving over here, um, we had, uh, we had a, a school bus. And, of course, the school bus stops to pick up kids, and out goes the little stop sign, and everybody, universally, everybody stopped for it. And so I think we have a few things like that, people pulling over for emergency vehicles, that almost everybody does. So we do have some common ground that would allow us to actually have a civil society. We just have to build from there. How's that for an observation? Well, that's, well we had a, a, a lady the other day, and I, you know, whatever, she's into this, whatever whatever the, the thing is, and she was talking about uh, traffic stops in Cook County. And this is all about, you know, this, this alleged uh, massive, you know, uh, whatever, hatred of people of color that all of us have, even though I don't think many of us do have, but I'm sure there are people that do, but I mean, I, you know, I'm sure there's people of color that don't like us either. Or, but it, So she starts wandering into this, 55% of the traffic stops are African American, or minorities, I think it was, and 31% of the population is African American. And I'm like, okay. So, but the, the implication is that every policeman sees a white person go past and lets them off and waits for the African-American. That, that's, that's an unfair... Yeah, yeah, so it's the difference between data and information. Yeah. The, the woman that you're citing was spouting data, yeah. but it had not been analyzed or sliced and diced in any way because you could draw... Let, let's give the two most obvious... Um, uh, the the uh, two most obvious scenarios uh, that you could uh, the two most obvious hypotheses one is just what you were saying cops look, white people get passes black people don't the other one is, well, black people have more traffic violations than white people I don't know, what's the truth? it's not hard to take that and then to start you know, figuring out ways to measure it and change that into information so that we really know what's happening because the data itself is useless on its own. Just like all of the numbers that they threw at us during COVID were almost always useless until anybody started to dig into them and start, you know, like like our guest in the next hour will, yeah. um, you know, like Carl did, and to start digging through them, and many others did at the, uh, also, and say, uh-uh, you know, the conclusions you're drawing are not sound. Well, I remember, we're getting a break here, but this will this will be a good one for Mike because he's from Cleveland. I drove back from, uh, <clears throat> I don't know where I was, I was in Pittsburgh for the football uh, baseball game. They had uh, construction on the Ohio Turnpike and in various spots. And, you know, they wanted you to go down to 45 miles an hour. 
And I'm going to say I saw 10 cars pulled over, because Ohio actually does have police, not like Illinois. Uh, every single one of the cars pulled over had an Illinois plate. Now, I could assume, if I was a moron, <laughs> I could assume that they don't care if the Ohio people go by, they just wait for the Illinois people. Or, I, because I'm from Illinois, I could also say, in Illinois, nobody pays any attention to any construction site. They blow through it 90 miles an hour, they don't give a crap. So in Ohio, that doesn't go over very and, well. And as anybody in southwest Michigan knows, the latter is the truth. Yeah. But, but it, it, it wouldn't surprise me that every single Illinois person driving by there, except for maybe me because I actually care about people in construction sites, wouldn't have, but I'm still not going to go down to 45. If I did, I'd be a stagecoach. But, I mean, over there in Ohio, they, they take this seriously. So it does, I mean, now, does that mean that they're wrong? I don't, I don't think so. I, screw the Illinois people if they don't pay, pay attention to the sign. I mean, that's my attitude. But anyway, SP Futures up 9, NASDAQ is up 54. Be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. 
Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands. But you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, no big station, Jack. I'm Tim Allen on the board. SP futures up nine. NASDAQ futures up 57 after a huge move in the NASDAQ yesterday. Dow futures up 64. Dow futures were like flat yesterday, but they were down most of the day. I think they ended up to the upside. Uh, Asia markets, Nikkei uh, up 115. It's 0.4%. Uh, so they're nearing 31,000 again. So they're about as high as they've been in 20 years. Hang Seng, on the other hand, uh, well, these guys were not uh, they were not open today, but they were down 369 on uh Yesterday, they're under 19,000. They're, they're low for like two years. Shanghai, uh, they did they did trade. They're up 11, uh, 32.12. Um, or in Europe, we've got uh, the DAX up 25.1 percent. The FTSE up 16.2. CAC around up 20.2. So up up in Europe, but muted, muted as they say. Yesterday, Dow was down 35. Like I mentioned, S&P up 36, and Nasdaq up 213. That's 1.7 percent. Virtually all of it was in your Nvidia. Uh, Microsoft evidently is part of this because they were up uh, like seven percent. That's a big. Talk about these kind of companies. We're, we're adding. We're adding. We just added uh, well, eighty some, say ninety points in, a, in Nvidia. That's two hundred and forty billion dollars to market cap. I mean, Ten years ago, yes. that I mean, yes. that's just a major, major, major amount of money. Uh, bonds uh, down two basis points, three point seven nine. Bond up one basis point, two point five zero. Japan unchanged uh, 0.42. We've got oil uh, up 79 cents, 72.62. It's mired in this lower 70s spot. Brent up 66 cents, 76.92. Natural gas down 5 cents, 225. We've got gold, which has been getting clobbered. Up, uh, it's up today, 920, but still it's 1952. It's down like 100 bucks in the last five weeks. Silver up 37 cents, 23.28. Another dead cat bounce. Copper up 8 cents, 367. We've got Bitcoin down 26, 26,447. And what's been causing a lot of this is the U.S. dollar. U.S. dollar is actually down a little bit today, and that's why the coal's coming back some. We've got the euro is at 107.5, and we've got the British pound at 123.8. Both of them down about 3 or 4% in the last couple months. And we've got, of course, traffic weather sports. The Ryan back open. All right. Uh, let's see. It is 639 here in Chicago. And uh, yeah, going back to... Uh, See, just going back to the traffic. Uh, didn't see anything about the Dan Ryan over here. Um, looks to be maybe it's all cleaned up already. Yeah, it looks like uh, everything is a little bit of heavy traffic on the. Let's see, yeah, a little bit of heavy traffic on the Stevenson uh, near Central Avenue, um, and there is an accident. It looks like uh, an earlier accident on the Kennedy that's going west uh, before North Halsted Street. Uh, that looks to be pretty cleared up, so a little bit of delays over there, a bit closer to downtown. Um, and of course, where the Kennedy construction is near, uh, that would be uh, Irving Park Road, is of course delays always over there, but otherwise, thankfully, looks like the Dan Ryan is looking a lot better. Um, over to sports, let's see. Got some, uh, well, White Sox lost to the Tigers last night, ending their game 7-2, and the Cubs also lost, I mean, their game 10-1 to against the Mets. 
Over to Chicago weather, it's currently 49 degrees, sunny skies today. We have a high of 67, that'll hit around 4 p.m. And over in Phoenix, they're at 73 degrees today. We're gonna have clear skies, and they're gonna have a high of about 95, and that's gonna hit around 5 p.m. So that is all I got. Back to you, Chief. So, Kevin and Mike, in terms of uh, uh, valuation, and we've got uh, the stuff going on in Washington, we have one of the rating agencies uh, put the U.S. on, on credit watch. Uh, I'm not so sure exactly what that means um, in terms of, I guess, the ideas. You know, I'm sure they aren't thinking that we're actually going to renege on some debts, but if you look at the numbers and how they keep spinning forward, what do you even think if there was some sort of a of an issue where all of a sudden we couldn't pay? How do you, what do you think would even happen there? I don't know. I'm so sure I can even imagine it. Can you? Well, I'll it? give you two cents, and then I got it. I gotta go. So, um, so I'm, and then and then I'll turn it over to Mike because he's probably going to be more insightful on this anyway. Um, but uh, first of all, you have the credit agency saying, "Don't make me come down there." Yeah, basically. Um, which is which is what's going on there. But aside from that. Ultimately, they're going to have to be some priority calls. If you if you don't raise the debt ceiling, somebody is going to have to say, "Well, which things will we pay and which things will we not pay?" What do you think should be the first priority out of all of them? Well, that's a that's a good question. <laughs> Depending it's gotta, on what it's got, it's, it's got to be debt service, doesn't it? Because you can't because you can't default. Um. So the question is, do we have enough tax revenue coming in to cover debt service and certain other essential services? And I would say the answer to that is, yeah, but, you know, I'd actually have to sit down and see somebody put a pen to paper and uh, and tell us, uh, you know, which ones are uh, would be in and which ones would be out. Well, the 5% the number that a lot of this paper is getting up to... Uh, at some point, your your debt load becomes so heavy you almost can't deal with it. I mean, I, I'm not so sure. God, I can't even believe I'm saying this because you're not you're never, you're never even supposed to hint the U.S. government stuff, especially since we put people in every week, uh, isn't going to be isn't like the best paper on earth. But there is a there is a limit. I mean, if I don't see if I don't I don't pr- predict this, but if interest rates went back to ten like they were, we're talking three trillion dollars a year in debt service. That's more than the entire budget now. Oh yeah, so uh, you know, Mike, you probably would uh, would be very it would be very informative, and I will look forward to hearing this uh, when I go back and listen to the rest of the podcast uh, after it's posted. Is talk through with Tom how the federal federal budgeting process works and how the expenditure process works. Yeah, I'm I'm real interested, Mike. Why don't you start? With Dan's talked about it, Dan Janitas. And, and I'll say the civilian side, uh, in the sense that he uh, knows a lot of. Well, he, that's what he does. He finds these mid 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 sized companies that are involved, and they're actually maybe not in anybody's real credit credit list. But they'll. But then he finds them, and they they seem to be fine places. And he's talking about some of them were involved in not involved. They're in asphalt companies and things like that that are were involved in uh, road building and those kinds of things, and they got kind of a boost from the. Uh, the, you know, the infrastructure bill, but really didn't get a dime for like a year. So the money's kind of just sitting there. It's been apportioned, hasn't really been spent yet. But there's a lot of, isn't a lot of the military stuff sort of like that? I mean, you have a, you have a budget that's, you, you know, you're not going to buy bullets for a week. You're going to buy bullets for is it a five year pr- 
contract? Is it four? I mean, I mean, obviously, if it's an airplane, it might be 15 years. But how, the money is it's a portion, but a lot of it's not spent yet, is it? I mean, what, what happens to that? How is it all counted? Uh, Tom, I'm not really sure about that. But, you know, it is part of the defense budget. You know, they would like to have at least two-year budgets, and that that normally doesn't happen. But, you know, programs get allocated money every year. So let's say maybe F-16s or the MRAP vehicle or something like that. They get their money by the year, and then it goes to the contractors and the government facilities that are working those issues. Okay. So, but I mean, if there's a lot of... A, a lot of money. I mean, certainly in a lot of this infrastructure, and, and, and the, the uh, uh, even even some of the stuff left on the COVID. I mean, you could you could stop payment on a, on a lot of that stuff for a month, and nobody care, right? Pretty much. I would think so. Yes, but I don't know about the, uh, for instance, you know. Well, we we had a lot of problems with. Uh, when the government, well, they, they didn't just threaten sequestration, they implemented it. And so we automatically got like a 10 or 15% cut, whatever it was at the time. So we had to start cutting slots and, you know, cutting programs. We had to identify programs which were going to go away. And then they did actually, uh, they disappeared. So sequestration really hurt the military. And, uh, and then, you know, I agree with Kevin about the debt servicing. That's got to be taken care of. And then, uh, you know, what do you do? Social Security should have to be paid. And Medicare should have to be paid. And the military. And that'll take up most of the budget. Almost all the non-discretionary spending will stop. And that's why the Democrats don't like it. Well, I mean, I don't think anybody likes it. I mean, the last time it happened, it was, well, I mean, it's with the... the Republicans don't want to pony up more revenue either. I mean, it's 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 a both sides of the, of the aisle, and it's I, mean, I don't know. I have a, a very uh, maybe smart ass view of this, Mike, and that the Republicans want to cut taxes, but they don't have the stones to cut the expenses down to match, and the and the Democrats want to raise expenditures and don't have the stones or the ability to raise taxes to meet them. So neither one of them is is a, is a saint here. No, no, I agree with that, Tom. And, uh, you know, that's it's it is unfortunate. Our government and, you know, and you have alluded to this more than once, you know, just refuses. You know, we're just we are becoming, if not already, a third world nation. And, you know, you can see that in the big cities. You can see that in our infrastructure and just our governance, too. So well, you can you know you can see it you can see it in the in the healthcare f- from for most people. No, that's something you know I kind of disagree with Tom on yet. Uh, I mean, I've been in uh, I've gone into Gene had uh, our son Patrick in a German hospital, and their healthcare is nowhere near ours. Now, granted, we're paying for ours to a degree. But, you know, most European nations, their health care is not that good. The, the English health care was absolutely terrible. The national health system or service, whatever it's called. I mean, the doctor that we dealt with there, just he really wasn't 
I mean, we were more knowledgeable, it seemed, than he was yeah, well, on that, certain diseases. That doesn't surprise me. You guys are, you know, pretty up on this stuff. I mean, but what I'm saying, I, I think it's very uneven. Uh, like, I mean, for every person that the uh, you see having some, you know, you know, wild, wild uh, experimental surgery that that they have commercials on at the University of Chicago or someplace like that or Sloan Kettering, there's going to be somebody in downstate Illinois that. Don't even know they don't even know what a heart well, procedure you, is. You're I mean, right, it, Tom. I mean, it, it's in most of the developed countries of the world, it's a two-tier system. If you can pay for your additional health care, you get much better health care. Yep. And uh, you know, and it's and it's that way in the in the better systems in uh, in Germany. For instance, I had uh, I had really bad varicose veins, and you know, I went to a private clinic and had them all taken care of but I paid uh, well the US government paid most of it through my health care but uh, I did have to uh, pony up a certain amount of money right I mean I just, the, when, when we look at where the money's heading this constant I mean one of the themes of the of the show and Carl and you know some of the other professor guys that are around here our, our inability to, to look at the problem in the face and solve it I mean I, this week I was kind of talking about I don't know if you heard any bit about is, is our electoral system not that it should be different or not that I want to go back to 1776 uh, or whenever the hell we wrote the Constitution um, I don't want to I don't want to change all the good stuff in there because there's a lot of really good stuff I just wonder on a, on a budgetary uh, idea it's it reminds me it, it absolutely reminds me of having a, a, a CEO getting paid every every 90 days based on the 90 days performance I mean the idea this this debt thing they're going to they're going to waste all kinds of time on the news they're going to make some kind of a deal and at the end of the day instead of a million dollars every 40 and a half seconds as Greg Pappas maybe it'll be 40.9 seconds I mean it's, it's going to make no difference whatsoever to the direction that they're heading money wise you know and, and, well, and, and, and you're and, right about that it, it, but you know our our government is just uh, the it frustrates me because they won't uh, neither side will do anything about the debt and they just keep on spending money that we don't have well they it's there, there's actually Mike and I don't know if you heard me say this before there's this economic concept it's called like the new new Keynesian or new New Keynesian, I think it is. Then there's the new monetary theory in it. Whatever, the lady who wrote that book, I, I don't know where she got her knowledge, but uh, the new Keynesians are, are about as bad. And they're, but, it, it, but you, you can't argue with the theory. I mean, you went to enough economics classes with me. The theory is the Murphy family has all his debt. Okay, now, you're, if, if you did, you're paying 20%, which the government's not, but let's leave that part out. The Murphy family has all his debt. And and, I'm gonna, and somebody's going to say, well, there's no way on earth that Mike and wife are ever going to write checks to all these places and knock it down. However, if every year the Murphy family debt grows 1% and their salary goes 3%, it becomes more manageable, and over time, you know, 20 years from now, it's not much of a problem. That's, that's, that's the theory. And, and, and you, can't, you can't really argue with it. In the, in the in the sense that 
if the U- if the U.S. debt grows one percent a year and the economy grows three, we're eventually we're eventually going to overrun the debt. I mean, if you extend it out along, and hopefully we're going to be here for another hundreds of years. I mean, you and I won't, but but the fact is, the country should be. So it's very hard to argue it. The, the problem that you have, or the problem that I see, is the Republicans run up with some tax scheme, and they say, based on our estimation, uh, boy, we, this this lowering taxes is actually going to raise our percentage of we get from people because they're going to make so much more money and blah blah blah. Okay, they they run that by the CBO. Congressional Budget Office, and somehow they buy into it, or we're forced into it, and they say, "Okay." Then you get some some guy like Biden comes out and says, "We're going to spend a trillion and a half dollars." But oh, by the way, in ten years, this is a revenue neutral event because uh, we're going to provide Wi-Fi to bad neighborhoods, and all of a sudden, everybody's going to have a job, and they're going to pay so much in taxes. We're gonna, our return on this is going to be more than you know, more than the dreams of avarice. Well, okay, now there's two bills now that basically suck in terms of their... So even though you have this theory and you've managed to pass the bill based on your theory that all this we're spending is going to come back in spades, and it's not really... It's not spending, it's it's Hoover Dam. It's the Tennessee Valley Authority. It's the Golden Gate Bridge, where over the next 50 years, our return on this is going to be 100 times what we spent for it. But you know what? It only happened a few times, Mike. <laughs> Not at all these bills they pay. They're always wrong. I think they know they're wrong when they do it. Where am I, where am I no. off here? No, you're exactly right, Tom. I mean, they, they're, well, they're, uh, the, the whole green energy plan, I doubt that that's going to work because it just doesn't make sense. You know, we need to have, you know, unfortunately, we need to have fossil fuels and we need to have electric and, you know, and, and by cutting off the fossil fuels, they're really hurting the economy. We could be making money on our fossil fuels and exporting fossil fuels, but you know now the uh, Dems don't want us to do that because of the effect on the climate, supposedly. So, you know, they just—they're both parties are very short-sighted, and it's all about staying in power. And then when when they're threatened, they just start the blatant lies, you know. Well, yeah. Biden's, you know, with his MAGA Republicans chant that just keeps on going. And and Trump with, uh, you know, Democrats only know how to tax and spend. Well, the the interesting, when when I I run into a lot of, uh, well, especially on the southwest side, you run into a lot of conservative people. They used to be all Democrats, but now they don't like the new Democratic Party. but you'll hear people say, well, you know, look what, look what Biden did to oil. Well, first of all, in terms of his, his, his direction and the people behind him, I can't, I can't agree with you more, Mike, but in, in, in actual numbers, the, 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 the negative or the uh, oil got down to $20, $30 a barrel under the Trump administration, and we lost virtually every drilling rig. There's actually like three times as many drilling rigs now as when Trump was in office. So if you, if you look at the, the history of oil and the, and, the, and the pluses and minuses and the, the ups and downs in prices followed by the ups and downs in drilling and so forth, it has nothing to do with any president. I mean, it, it, the industry is bigger than these guys' mouth, fortunately. I mean, every time there's an overproduction, uh, the price goes down, 
all of a sudden certain areas the, the, the rigs aren't profitable they tear the rig down they sell it to somebody else in the world the rig's gone and we go from 800 rigs down to 200 and all of a sudden the prices go up and everybody goes oh man now i can start drilling the, the cyclical nature of the, of the oil business is, is like a, it's like a 20-year cycle it's beyond any president now, granted, if they if you start not issuing permits and this and that and the other thing and do stuff, uh, I, you, can you cause a problem? I mean, right now, it'd be really hard for somebody to open up something totally new, given this in, administration's attitude. I mean, there's no way I can argue with you about that because it's it's the truth. But in the, in the in the short run, in the last two years, has Biden? I bet our, our, our production is way higher than when he came in. Even if, he may not even want it to be, but it is. You know, I mean, uh, I don't think so, Tom. And when he cut off the Keystone Pipeline, I mean that, well, that, that was just why, why does nonsense. It, why, does, just why does why does why does everybody use that particular pipeline as their? There's a couple other pipelines, by the way, that I think I, I would have more concern with. That pipeline was to get Canadian tar sands from Canada to the, the Gulf Coast. It had no, it was it, for export. It had nothing to do with us. Well, but at least it would have kept those refineries in business, and it would have kept the it would have kept the supply of oil more or less stable. Now, I I don't think the supply of oil is stable anymore, and OPEC has a lot more power over our market. Um, they think they do. I mean, it, their their power. We talk about a, a, a paper tiger. Those guys. These what are they? They're down to like twenty percent of the oil, right? Yeah, I'm not sure, Tom. I have. Well, I mean, really when those guys, that. when you and I were young, the, it, classic economics, and, uh, and I know Mike knows this because I walked the class with him. Classic economics. At one point, the the people in the Saudi group, OPEC, or we want to call them, uh, they could they could drop drop their production ten percent, and the price of oil would go up like forty, which is incredible market power, right? If you can do that, I mean, if if you and I are, are we're, sell, we're selling beer at the at the park, and, and we and we we come in with ten percent less beer, but we raise the price forty percent. Everybody goes for it. We made out like a bandit, right? Well, now I don't right. think I don't think they're anywhere near that. Look at what happened last time. They 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 dropped their production. Was it eight percent? And then within two weeks, the price was the same. I think when they do that now, they just kill themselves. They don't have they don't. They used to be what forty percent of the market and under twenty. That's a massive difference. I love it too. I don't really like those guys being that much power. Do you? No, not at all. I agree with you. What I mean, that's what happened during the Ford administration when we had that the first whip inflation now yeah. program. You know what 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 happens uh, from from a military aspect? This is military, and I mean, it, I guess it's not military yet. What what? How do you how do you let a place like Venezuela just drop off the face of the earth economically? They've got more oil than Saudi. Now, do they export any of it? I mean, it, how? How big of a crap hole is that place turned into? How do people even live there? The money supply is, money can't be worth anything. How do you get on a bus? I mean, you've been in places like that. I know your son had. How do people even live? Well, that's a good question because a, a lot of those Venezuelans are trying to come to the United States now. These yeah, I don't days. blame them. Yeah. I mean, I would. I'd be the first one on a boat if it was me. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, why, how does those how do those people stay in power? I guess on the military side, how is there not? They just they just have the guns or what? Well, I think they do have the guns. The guy down there, you know, now Maduro, I mean, he was a former bus driver. He used to be head of the bus driver unions and 
So he, he, you know, he's one of Chavez's, he was one of his main guys propping up the regime, and he's still essentially propping up the regime. I can't even imagine what a daily life is and how you how you have an industry to that extent that, that could, could essentially pay for everything for everybody, and you don't even, are they, they must be exporting something. But, uh, well, they they are exporting some oil still, but it, I doubt that they're getting the price they want, and it, you know, and that's that dirty oil yeah. that uh, you know the climate people are so concerned about. But yet, you know, they shut off American, well, they cut back American drilling, which was much cleaner oil, a much cleaner resource, and now we're we're having to refine the Venezuelan oil. Some of that stuff, Mike, is. Uh... I mean, I knew some guys that knew something about oil at the at Pullman because they had worked on some. Some of that stuff is so thick. Actually, the school board we had some of this stuff too. Uh, it, it has to be heated the whole way; or it won't even flow. So, <laughs> so if you have a if you have a, if you have a hurricane and it knocks out a refinery for a week where it can't power the stuff up, you got to tear out like all the horizontal pipes because you can't you can't heat them up. We're gonna have the stuff start running. It's it's it, See, it, it's it's like sludge. But yeah, you right. but you can break it down. But you're not going to get out of a out of a barrel of oil. What do you get? Like I don't know, sixty percent gasoline. You're not going to get sixty percent gasoline out of that crap. I mean, right? It's a but it, but that's the same kind of oil that this Keystone pipeline was for. Because the the tar sands, you know, the tar sands. We talk once in a while. We'll run another half minute here, and we'll go grab Carl. Uh, the tar sands is almost like uh, we talk about the basis all the time here, and, and, uh, and we talk about commodities. And people say oil is seventy-two dollars a barrel. Well, it's seventy-two dollars a barrel in Cushing, Oklahoma. <laughs> you got to get it there. <laughs> and the Mike Murphy, Tom Howe uh, spot in Alaska where we just drilled it when there's not a road or a pipeline around it. It's worth nothing. <laughs> we right. got we got to get it to Cushing, right? Well, at one point the tar sand stuff, in addition to being uh, crappy oil to start with, they, it, it was worth like two dollars a barrel at the barrelhead. Okay, <laughs> what? A, that's not very much. It's 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 a long way from seventy two, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, next time you're on, what, what's going on with the uh, Cleveland? Nobody at the stadium. And I watched the Sox game last night. There's nobody at the, at the, par, at the game in Detroit either. Is this is this a, a baseball wide phenomenon or what? Let's talk about that maybe uh, next week someday if uh, if you got a bit because I know you watch all this stuff. Anyway, take care of yourself. Have a nice weekend. We have Carl coming on. SB Futures right, up 10. Tom, NASDAQ enjoy, Futures up 15. Uh, have a nice, solemn Memorial yeah. Day weekend. You know what? I will because uh, I might even drop by the uh, cemetery and make sure my uncle has a flag on his spot because he died in World War II. So I'm sure there will be a lot of people there. Uh, I'm sure most people don't want to go to the cemetery. But it's one day where it's, it is Memorial Day. It's, it's not just the people who served. It's the people who died, right? Yeah, it's not just the beginning of summer. That's correct. That is the truth. All right, buddy, we'll, we'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. Your lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity.
equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices, along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 3456 that's 708-349-3456 or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com that's myhomesourcerealty.com stocks jocks stocks and jocks you are out of control here right now right here right now right Something happening here. Well, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen on the board. SB Futures up nine. NASDAQ Futures up 52. Uh, we're off to the races again today, it looks like. Um, Carl, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing all right. I have a lot of questions for the, the professor here this morning. Um, Uh-oh. I was, we're talking valuation a little bit with, with Kevin <laughs> and Mike. Are we going, we're going back to the... Massive valuations like we had in the third. I've got Nvidia now at, at ten times revenue or eleven times revenue. Well, look, that's a lot. Okay, let's let's just poke at that one because the what you have here is the same thing that happened right at the end of 1999 uh, and the first few months of 2000, and it's into the face of a macroeconomic environment that's considerably tighter and therefore much worse than what you had then. So, you know, I, I don't know if I'm, I was in the middle of it up to my neck because I was running a business in the late 1990s. Yeah. Um, but essentially what happened as you got into that period of time is right after I'd sold the company and I was, I was reasonably sure that I'd made the right call uh, and a lot of it was for personal reasons, didn't have anything to do with the business environment, but I saw the problems coming. And so here we are with the narrowing of the market, the last shiny penny 
which, uh, you know, what drove NVIDIA the last time around was all the cryptocurrency mining stuff. And that's why you couldn't get a decent graphics card for any reasonable amount of money, because all the crypto kids were buying them and stuffing them in racks full of machines and using them to try to mine Bitcoin or whatever the newest shiny token was today. Yeah. Which, which, if you think about it, is one of the most colossal wastes of energy you've ever seen anywhere, right? Oh, without a <laughs> doubt, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, you know, and never mind that uh, with, unless unless you put the thing in Iceland or uh, you know, North Arctic Circle or something like that, you, you with computers, you always pay for the power twice. You pay it once to run the computer, and then you pay it again to run the air conditioner and get the heat out of the room so that the computer doesn't catch on fire. Well, weren't they and, put in? Uh, weren't they put it next to the Grand Coulee Dam? So they were doing it at night when the when the, the dam couldn't sell the power anyway, or something. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of games that get played, but it's it, one of the realities of running a data center and having done it a few times, uh, both for my own company and on behalf of others, is that is is that you pay for the power twice. Okay, you you pay for your computer to the power to run it two times, and it's it's just the way it is because electronic things like all things produce heat and. Most of the time, the heat is is a undesirable output rather than a desirable one. Uh, I mean, I used to joke that in the winter time, I uh, I got free supplementation of my uh, you know, my heating plant in the house <laughs> from the rack that I had full of computer equipment. Well, you, you do <laughs> of know that the, of course in the summer I got I, you know I got screwed, right? You do know that the CBOE building, which is now abandoned. They have a fully paid-for building and are paying leases in two other buildings. I, I can't even begin to go where the logic of that is, but the CBOE building with, with all the people that were in there and all the computers in the yeah. however many years they used that building, it was so well-designed they never once had to turn the heat in. Oh, yeah, no, well, that's, well, uh, yeah, because all that equipment uh, produces an awful lot of it. And they, had, a, a yeah, man, they had an incredible ventilation system that just spread it all around, and it was... Well, yeah, it's free. Yeah, it's well, free. Sort of. I mean, you know, it's it's a byproduct, and if you can find a way to capture it and use it without having to pay to have it removed, that's fantastic. Well, uh, you also had, but you but had a bump. My, I, uh, you know, I don't want you to stop explaining what you're doing, but in the, in the end of '99, the last bit of the the shove, basically the kick in the market's ass up, was the the Fed pouring money in to to stop the incredible problems that were going to happen at Y2K. Everybody sort of forgets that. But in the right, that was the yeah, that was the last that was the last hurrah. Yeah, was you know the Fed was was convinced, and so were a whole lot of other people, and I I was laughing at the whole thing, uh, that uh, that all this old code that was written in COBOL uh, could not handle the fact that the the first digit was going to go from a one to a two, and uh-huh. and that essentially it was because everybody had cheated, and didn't bother with the with the first two digits. Okay, so. I was actually, believe this or not, Carl, as luddite as I am, I was on the the board committee from the CBOE on, on the Y2K stuff, and they 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 were they were they were renewing all the systems over time, but really made everybody do is some of that old code they had. There was a date in it, like every five lines or something. It was it was really something. You know, I mean, you should have been in this. In this committee than, than me because I don't know what they were talking about but they were t- they had so many handsets on the floor that they bought and and again this is something you 
all the chips in the handsets, you don't even know what they are because they probably were, were chips designed with something better in mind, and when they came out as a second, they stuck them in a handset or something like that. And uh, So you, you didn't even, they didn't even know what they had. They didn't know if every phone wasn't going to work because they had no idea what the chips were in there. They, they had more, more phones, more phone lines in a CBOE floor than a town of 60,000 people or something. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. They, they, had, they had honestly no idea, but what they did is they pulled everything they could forward because they, they, they were planning for it for several years. I mean, I was on this committee in 98, and it was before, you know, Y2K was until 2000. But the, at, at the last run, the Fed poured so much money into the system because they thought everybody was going to take out cash in case anything, nothing worked. And everybody did, to a certain extent, right? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was it was kind of, it was one of those things that was, uh, you know, the, the death of America that never was. And they spent money like crazy trying to mitigate something that, in truth... But what if they, what if they would have... I, I honestly believe, Carl, I mean, I, they didn't have anybody... You know, like you there, maybe they could have. I honestly believe if they would have totally ignored it, though, they would have had a problem. Well, oh, they had, they had people. They had there were plenty of people at the time that, uh, myself included, that were laughing at the entire thing. Okay, I mean, we, <laughs> I was, you know, I was running a company during the last part of that time, <laughs> and and I thought it was hilarious. Well, you know I what mean, the like, you know what the basic. You might be the one person I could ask this question. You know what the basic. Uh, computer system back in those days, because it wasn't quotes was the problem in those days, it was actual trades they'd always say how many contracts did they you know what the, the trade match system was based on, they actually would bought it from them when they when they put mm-hmm. it together in 1973 the, oh, big, the oh. biggest system in the world that matched up stuff was the United Airlines matching up oh yeah, that was that was a saber, right? yeah, they 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 essentially bought that. That was the original trade match system from the CBOE that we used to run kind of the whole place. Then every year they'd, they'd pull a piece off and modernize it. But the, the actual trade match system, I don't think it's the same today, but I'll bet it was up to like 10 years ago. Well, They matched up yeah. just like you would you'd match up tickets to planes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was, you know, I, it's, it was the, that was the basic uh, you know, concept behind all this, right? Right. Well, my, so my question took me forever to get to it. The last few days, the last month, really. I mean, we've talked, and I talked to uh, Russell about it the other day a lot. The Fed, with all their BS, really hasn't done anything. I mean, you brought that up two weeks ago. I mean, they're down. You know, they like tripled their balance sheet. And now they're down five percent from the top, or something. To be, to, so they really haven't done anything, even though they say they have. They've raised the interest rates a little bit, but only on the short term, which has caused all kinds of other problems. Where exactly is this money? If you looked at just the stock market and you look at prices over the last six weeks, it, where's this money coming from? Is, is this because of the spike for Silicon Valley they put in the system? Because you look at the market now, you'd swear that the, the Fed was pouring money in every week. Or is, or is it the valuation? I mean, yesterday, NVIDIA, I mean, people don't look at it this well, way. Well, we, well, we well just NVIDIA, put, yeah. We put $250 billion dollars in one stock, essentially, in the system, it's not really money, but it's pretty close to money. It spends like money. You can borrow against it, right? I mean, are, are, is the market creating its own wealth here? Well, it, it is, but it's not. Okay, so I mean, this is this is the next incantation of tulips. Well, but I mean, and today, today, if you're a, a, an Nvidia well, today, today, owner, oh no, 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 yeah, 
cheap. Today it's real, okay? I'm I mean, saying if you, you and I go stock, out tonight and you had a thousand shares of NVIDIA, you're probably buying. Well, I, I, I'm just saying, okay? Yeah. I mean, t- today it's real, okay? I mean, it's it's numbers on a screen, but if you uh, want to turn those numbers into cash, uh, yeah, there's somebody out who, there who will be happy to give you cash for it. So, I mean, it's, it is what it is. Uh, but let's not let's not forget what's really going on here okay it's the it's we had during the the early and mid 1990s anybody that used the word internet instantaneously had 100 million dollars put on their market cap oh yeah yeah okay during <laughs> during the, the last little bit of insanity in cycle anybody who used the word bitcoin had 100 billion yeah. okay all right. Uh, hello, MicroStrategy, anybody? Uh, the company that quite possibly triggered the 2000 tech crash because they issued a restatement after discovering accounting irregularities? I remember, right I remember those guys. One of my, one of my yeah, best, right, one of my right best after, friends was there. Way, by the way, right after a split, okay, right after a huge runoff, then a few days later they announced, oops, we got some kind of an internal control problem. And, uh, oh boy, what a wrong time to say that, right? You know what the internal control yeah. problem was? I actually happen to know, I happen to know something about this. Oh, okay. Uh, they were selling, uh, whatever the hell they sold, they were selling by weight and not by numbers, so they were actually putting bricks in the boxes. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, that, that's that's an internal control problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be, that's one way of looking at it, yeah. That's one way to put it, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, but the thing is this. They survived that, okay. Most of the companies in the Nasdaq who were who were part of that hype cycle blew up. They were in a, they sur- they're, in, they're in Longmont, Colorado, right? Yeah, well, they but they survived it, and now okay. they're one of the that now they're one of the Bitcoin players. Okay, okay. So they they're still around. MSTR is still around, um, and, and actually they're kind of funny because. Uh, you know the, the infamous Jim Cramer, Mavens of the New World, or whatever it was the the column he did for the Street, that was the, that was the prescient. Uh, you know, five days before everything all went down the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was. It, it, I mean, if you look at those those stock symbols, an awful lot of them they, they literally they don't exist. They've been delisted. They're gone. Uh, but MicroStrategy was, uh, you know, was the one that that. Arguably, was what set it off. Now they weren't to blame for the entire crash, but they, you know, they just they came out with that at the wrong time and triggered it, right? So, and I've argued for a long time that that's that's what actually was the triggering event um, when people finally woke up and said, "Oh, wait a minute, you mean this is all a bunch of BS?" And you know, there we go. The the thing is, now it's AI, okay? <laughs> now, so. All these large language models that are out there, the Chat GPTs and all this, all this stuff. Uh, you know, Microsoft has their version of it. We've got the you know, the OpenAI guy, the, and you've got the incessant, the, the usual parade has already started on Capitol Hill, and it is the guys who are doing it right now that want Congress to give them protection. Yep. Oh yeah. Nobody comes back in and eats them. Oh, we must have a regulatory framework for AI. You, when was the last time you ever heard? An honest broker within an industry tell you that they, that they would like to bend over and get some themselves by Congress for the benefit of mankind, of course. Okay. Um, everybody, and if, if you've been in a regulated industry like I have, 
you want you want to be a big dog in a regulated industry because they protect you and keep other people away from you. Well, that's exactly you know, yeah. and, and this is now starting. Okay, <laughs> so now we're seeing that, which is also another sign that the you know that this is uh, this is a maturing bubble. It's getting a little thin around the edges, but the biggest issue that you have that's that's coming with all this is that today all these large language models have to run on extremely expensive hardware reason being the data sets are huge and so you cannot do this on a desktop machine with any kind of reasonable uh, capacity simply because you can't get enough memory in the box right so these things are running on the big cloud servers where you can get the memory across the cloud and you can get the processing power and the interconnectivity is there to be able to move the data around and do the processing that's necessary to do this there is a lot of effort being made to attempt to shrink the training data set size by a couple orders of magnitude and the way they're doing this is by through the same sort of process that's gone on before with, with specialized chips this is why nvidia did what they did. This is why they made the announcement. So the the one of the attempts is to move this stuff onto the GPUs, which is the graphic units that are in your computer and do your screen displays. The next move is going to be to go into ASICs, which is what they did with Bitcoin and the other cryptocurrencies. Those are specifically designed for that purpose. And therefore, and, and you want to do that with a specialized thing like this because the memory arrangement, things like that, that you need is different than you would have, say, for example, for displaying uh, images for a video game. Okay, but the video game, you know, that that model is closer than a general computer, a general CPU would be to what you need for AI. So people are trying to figure out how to get the same performance while shrinking the training data set by, uh, you know, basically lopping two zeros off the size of it or even more. And there is some evidence that this is going to work. If it does, um, the, the people who are in front of that will, at least for a period of time, make a lot of money. Problem is, is that that effort will continue. And eventually, the limited versions of this are going to be able to run on things like your phone. Okay. Okay. Well, so I mean, right, well, I mean how, how far, I guess the question is, how far... I mean, you listen to the guy, and I don't know why I just... I've listened to him like two or three times. The guys who uh, run NVIDIA, the couple guys that were on TV a couple times, I mean, they should be used car salesmen, for God's sake. I mean, it, oh yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's really something. Uh, I mean, it, boy, talk about... I don't think they want to dump, but they're sure pumping. Uh, but they... Uh, how, how in, this, in this day and age, I mean, I guess... There's two schools of thought here, uh, Carl, and I don't... I don't I, know the one I want to be in, but I'm not so sure the other one's all wrong. Uh, Joel was on earlier in the week, and he said basically, Chief, you know, this is the new world. These guys get ahead, they stay ahead. Anybody who, who tries to compete with them, they buy. They get some government protection, and they never look back. So you're saying it's 10 times revenue or 11 times revenue. It's way too expensive. It may go down a little bit here and there, but basically, they're like the Microsoft. They're going to be the the, the, the monopolist for 20 years that never gets caught. If anybody does anything any decently, they're going to buy it, and they just never stop. I mean, are, are, is that, I guess, you know, that's maybe that's the world we're in here, Carl. I mean, I hope not, but 
I think maybe there's some truth to what Joel said. Well, that's uh, boy, that's a that's a dangerous bet. Okay. Yeah. Um, technology. Technology has a funny way of taking a twist and turn in a direction that you didn't anticipate that screws those plans. And I think this is, I, I don't think this is going to hold. Number one, I think the predicate, the predicate of all of this has been the cheap money and the negative real interest rates for the last 20, 20-ish years, okay? And so that's, that's been the base on which all of this so-called investment has occurred. That era is over. I, you, know, and, I'm not, that's, you and I very rarely have a disagreement. I'm going to say that right now, and boy, I sure as hell hope you're right. I'm going to say right now, I don't think that's wrong. That's right. This, you look at well, what the Fed's done the last year. They haven't done squat. In, in, in the Silicon Valley thing, that what they put in that week leads me to believe if there's a shred of a problem with this market or anything like that, they're going to pour the money right back in. Uh, you know, over the last cycle, cycle and a half, I would have said, yeah, because that's, you know, I mean, that's what happened in 08, right, and everything else. Well, it happened with six months ago, four months well, ago. Well, I, I understand that up to a point, okay, but we have the budgetary thing that you see going on right now with all the drama, debt ceiling and all of that is the, the bottom line is that the entire problem, and, and you can tell that we have the game is continuing at this point because nobody's talking about it. The entire problem within the federal budget is in CMS. It has been there for the last 20 years. And the problem now is that the beast has gotten to the point that it is starting to chew off its own fingers. Yeah, but I, I, this I'm cannot, not, you're not, this you're not getting any disagreement out of me on this because I'm with you. I mean, I, when, when our buddy Greg timed the the debt clock thing, the million dollars was f- 42 seconds. I, I I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, we're not even. See, on, but these guys don't. They don't even seem like they. It's it's like it's like you and I, you know, come in. We're in a Korean War, and it's a mash movie, and we got a broken leg with the with a bone sticking out, and they're the guy says, "Yeah, he looks like he got a problem down here. Take two aspirin." I mean, they don't even seem to think that they have the uh, the the whole idea of. The, the enormity of the problem. I mean, if this interest rate of 5% spreads all the way through the, the federal stuff, for God's sake, Carl, we're talking 15, a, a trillion and a half a year in interest. I, yeah. And and the problem you have here is that you have, and this is, I mean, this is a subject of my column this morning, okay, is absolutely nobody in the political arena today that's you know that's on the GOP side because of course you know Biden is a presumption presumptive nominee for the Democrats because he's currently president I mean, that's where system works uh, could something go wrong with that of course it could but that's you know that's where we are so the fights on the GOP side right now supposedly right none of these guys have said one word about resolving this no but, but if we do not take this on now this cycle there may not be enough of CMS left in that industry in four years to try to take it on then. I, uh, I'm not, 
from my just from my economic background, Carl, we're I got us at about thirty-two percent every year now. We even this year with the COVID stuff sort of over. Uh, we're we're talking about a budget deficit. Not the number doesn't bother me so much. It's the percentage. The percentage. That's right. Yeah, I mean we're 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 thirty-two percent borrowing. I don't I don't see how the hell that that sustains it all, and yet it's, you know, it's, I, I, and, and, and the chief, you know how this works. It's exponential. Yeah, except okay, except if I went on CNBC today instead of talking on our, our podcast, one of the attractive people, male or female, is going to say, "People like you have been talking about this for two decades. It never happens. Why do we listen to you? And why do you keep saying it?" That's that's exactly what they're going to say. You you keep well, saying well, if we're on this path, there's going to be a cliff. Every day we walk, every day we don't see a cliff. Well, and you know, and and. Uh, <laughs> and they all say, well, you know, we're Wiley Coyote, yeah. super genius, right? And, and he's hanging in the air, but he hasn't fallen yet. But a representative right now, and I picked them on because, or, or, a, or a senator who has, who's got to be up for election in a year from November, none of those people, I mean, uh, there are some people there that have some, some brain power. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's some good people, but they're, they're not one of them. Is looking. At, they 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 don't want the, themselves being blamed for this if it keeps going a little bit further and, and and somebody can't go to the national park or can't do this or can't do that. They don't want to be blamed for that. And if and if the if the the price for that is we don't do really very much, but I get elected a year from November, eh, it's a price I'm willing to pay. That that's sort of the issue because it doesn't appear the government can go broke, although they're, they're trying their best. I don't I don't know how you, you I mean if you drop a war on top of this or you drop you know something. I mean it's it's insane what they did in the COVID stuff. It seemingly in their mind came out smelling like a rose. What would it when you saw was it Fitch put the, the place on credit? How would that even how would that even go down, Carl? If all well, of a sudden Fitch people. Fitch has done that. Remember, Fitch did it before, which was what set off, you know, the short-term uh, kaboom boom. Well, they also got got themselves spanked for doing it, right? Right, they did. Yeah, and so you know, but I mean, the, but it, it, it's interesting that it's them again, all right, despite being spanked. Yeah, well, but I, I, I'm saying I, I don't know, you know, I'm supposedly I studied all this stuff, but how the hell? What if? What you know? What would actually take place? Not enough people would show up for an auction to. To pay down the stuff from the week before, I mean, I, how does that? How would that even work? Well, I mean, how would how would the default take place? Well, Steve, it's not a look. You know, I, I really wish people would stop with this default nonsense. The, the federal government takes in enough money to pay the coupon, and rolling over an existing bond bill, bond whichever, to another one does not increase the debt. Okay. So they can do that. Now, of course, the rate may go up, right? Because, uh, gee, don't we do things with supply and demand? Well, now, wait a minute. But would the rate go up? If the supply is fixed and the demand fluctuates, you can't control demand, but you, could, but you do control supply, and the supply is fixed, instead of rising all the time, which is what we've been doing for the last 20 years, right? Where it was issue more debt, issue more debt, issue more debt. Okay, so now the supply stops going up. Um, and you have multiple bidders, that would mean the price goes up on a bond, yield is inverse of price, is it not? 
Right. When I, I'm I'm talking about on a on a Tuesday, the uh, whatever it is. The, 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 the I, bill. I, I I get it that the short term impact is is let's say that Tuesday is the real day. Right. No, no. I'm talking about. So we're in, let me explain where I'm at. We're on a different subject. I'm saying, what if, for instance, just the, because they need the money, or right. or somebody, the, the Chinese say, okay, I've got thirty billion coming due. I normally roll over all thirty. I'm rolling over twenty. Send me a check for ten. Yeah. Okay. Well, then something else doesn't get paid. Yeah. Okay. So something. So I mean, how how what exactly would be the mechanism of? It's like. Well, this is well. Yeah. This is one of the, so. This is one of the challenges. You remember the last time when, when we had this debt ceiling thing, and there was a shutdown because there was no agreement, right? A so-called yeah. shutdown. Okay. And what did Obama do? Obama closed all the national parks. Well, you like furloughed a lot of federal workers who end up getting paid afterward. Well, okay. So there's so there's two parts of the scam here. One of them is nobody actually didn't get paid. Right. They actually got a paid vacation. Right. Okay, so they got paid but didn't produce any work. Correct. Now, they got paid two weeks later, but they got paid. All right, and and so instead of actually stopping the expenditure on a productivity basis, in other words, we don't get any output, but we also don't spend any money. Um, no, 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 we kept spending the money, but we got no output. Right. Okay, so what what Obama actually did was rob the American people using this artifice. Well, I think the people in the military that didn't get paid, they had to keep going to work. Well, I, but they got paid ultimately. Right, but, they, they, but I don't think they didn't get days off. Like the the, the parks actually no, I, shut I, down. I, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I get that. Okay, but the vast majority of the people that he that he so called furloughed got paid to not work. Okay, so this was a scam run by the executive and oh by the way Biden will you know I mean, this is this is the common thing that happens well he'll and, do the same thing and, yeah oh and incidentally when when GOP presidents have been in this situation they've done exactly the same thing too so don't think I'm just bagging on, on Democrats here I, I bag on all of them this is and, and in addition to that Obama did this in a way that had a negligible impact on the total amount of money that was spent, but was designed to screw the American public to the maximum possible extent. Well, it was, it was to make you feel it and, and blame it on... It was I, to I, make I, you get mad at the other side. Well, sure. I, I, I've right. mentioned this ten times. I'll, I'll see if you agree. No matter what, this is where the Republicans have to tread lightly. Because, in, in my opinion, I mean, I don't, don't care what happens to them or to Democrats, to be honest with you, but uh, they have to tread lightly because at the end of the day, if it goes down to the spot where somebody loses their their airfare to the national park, they're going to blame the, the the guys who who brought the problem. And it's yeah, always. But I'm, not so, you know, but I'm not so sure this. I'm not so sure this falls on the Republicans this time. And I and this is the political calculus that I, you know, I mean, what I see. I don't know how the general public sees this. Okay. I mean, obviously, both sides are going to point fingers at each other and say the other guy did it. Right. But who's going to win that argument? I'm not sure. It seems to me yeah. that it's usually the people who quote caused it, and the cause, the cause, well, the cause part are always are always the people because a lot of people just say, "Hey, you voted for all these bills. Why, why, why is there, a, why is there a problem? We, you knew we'd have to borrow along the way. Why are you getting a second slice at the apple?" Well, well, now wait, well, now wait a minute. Well, let's go. To, we're going to break. Let's talk about this okay. after break. SP Futures yeah, yeah. Uh, only up three fifty now, and as if he's up thirty two, we're still up. We'll be right back. Stocks and jacks. 
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howard, Andrew on the board. We got the market. Uh, futures slipping some here. They're not. They're not. That well, actually, they're unchanged now. The S&P futures, uh, Nasdaq futures down 14. Is the the PCE number. The, the Fed's double-secret real inflation gauge that nobody can figure out what the hell's in it uh, was up 0.4% versus a 0.3, so that's got everybody in a little bit of a minor hissy fit here. But consumer spending was up 0.8% versus 0.4. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. Every place I go, everything's up 2 or 3% from the month before, maybe maybe 5 in half the places. This, this last month, six weeks, what Crown and I are talking about, there's been a spike here from somewhere. I'm not so sure from where, but it's from somewhere. We're in Asia... DK was up 115.4%. Uh, 
Uh, Hang Seng un- uh, was closed. Uh, Shanghai, however, was up 11. Uh, uh, it's 0.3%. Not sure why they were they were closed, but they were. Uh, we're in the Hang Seng, but they've been getting clobbered every day. We're in Europe. Uh, DAX up more, up more than we were earlier. DAX up 48.3%. FTSE up 17.2%. CAC around up 30.4%. So a moderate to the upside there. Yesterday we. Huge day. Dow is down 35. Don't nobody cares about the Dow anymore. SP futures up 36. Nasdaq up 213. As we pumped massive amounts of, of wealth into the world with 250 billion dollars in Nvidia and we, we had Microsoft up 11. I'm not so sure how many shares they got outstanding, but it, they got a lot. So we poured a lot of wealth in the economy yesterday. In those stocks. Uh, bonds up two basis points, 3.83. Going up five basis points, 2.54. Can only imagine. Uh, what those bonds people bought over there at a minus one interest rate, what those things would be trading at, what the market value would be, ouch. Uh, Japan unchanged 4.42. We got oil, a little bit of a rally, up 75, well, it's up a full percent. Up 77 cents, 72.60. Rent up 62 cents, 76.88. Natural gas down uh, 5 cents, 2.25. Arbob up 3 cents, 2.70. We've got gold up 6.30, trying a dead cat bounce. Uh, 1950 is the number. Yeah, 1950, nowhere near 2000. Silver up 35 cents, 23.26. Copper up 8 cents, 3.67. We've got crypto down $87 on a Bitcoin, 26,387. And the U.S. dollar is actually down a little bit today. It's been up, been real strong. 107 on the euro, 1123 on the British pound. A lot of stuff. Andrew, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? All right, it is a 7:41 here in Chicago. Starting off with some sports, a little bit of baseball last night. A couple of losses in Chicago. Uh, the Cubs played against the Mets and lost 10-1. to And the White Sox played against the Tigers, ending their game 7-2. Uh, so not a good day for baseball over here. But over to the Chicago weather, it's looking a little bit better. It's currently at 49 degrees. We've got sunny skies. We can have a high of 67 today, and that'll hit around 4 p.m. And over in Phoenix, they're at 73 degrees, clear skies. They're going to have a high of 95 around 5 p.m. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic. Looks like, thankfully, all the major accidents are cleared and just a bit of traffic on the inbound expressways. Uh, Notably, a little bit of red near Central Avenue on the inbound Stevenson. Uh, But otherwise, traffic is about the same as it always is. Watch out for that Kennedy construction, especially on the outbound as well. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Um, Carl, what do you make of this... uh PCE number, the fact that nobody can ever figure out what's in it. Well, yeah, nobody can ever figure out what's in it, right? <laughs> I mean, e- e- even you, the guy who can find everything, can't find the detail on that, can you? No, that one, um, unfortunately not. Uh, uh, this, I, here's uh, what I was saying before we went to break, okay? The general, the general rule has always been whichever party is holding up the process is the one that gets blamed when there's a shutdown, right, or a yep, lockup yep. in the in the process. I'm not so sure the Republicans get tagged on this one, and I and I'll tell you why. Um, so the Republicans, I, I, I'm not a fan of the current leadership at all. However, I give McCarthy some credit; he rammed through a bill that actually does lift the ceiling. In exchange for some some targeted changes in spending levels that are not actual cuts, okay? They're just a, they're a cessation of the escalator, if you will, for a while. The Senate refuses to take it up, 
and Biden, of course, has said that he'd veto it. Well, the Senate's controlled by Democrats. Biden is a Democrat, and McCarthy got the bill to lift the debt ceiling passed. So who gets blamed? I mean, it's not so clear right. this time. It isn't so clear, but it, now is that my definitions here? The Senate can't come up with another bill because all these kinds of bills have to originate in the House, correct? Well, uh, yeah, but they could amend it and send it back to the House. But I mean, but they, they refuse. But they could, if they wanted to, and I'm sure they don't really want to. They could add a, you know, okay, the corporate tax rates going to twenty two and a half instead of twenty one. They can't do that. That has to come from the House, right? Well, they, no, they could pass it as an amendment, but then it's it's. I thought all revenue. Not, I thought all revenue bills had to originate in the House. They do, but they can be modified by the Senate. But then it has to go back to the House and be passed again. Okay. Okay, because you know you have to pass the same thing. Well, I, I guess I'm I'm concerned that, that you and I are, are birds of a feather here in terms of whatever we're doing right now, someplace somewhere. Uh, unless all of a sudden everybody gets amazingly more productive, which I don't see happening like tomorrow, uh, someplace somewhere there's going to be somewhat of a trigger and a problem. And and I I know that I mean, if if you go back and you look at I read a uh, thing called the uh, was it the, the Fall of the Dynasties? You ever read that book? Um, pretty fascinating. I mean, it's boring as all sin, but it has to do with before World War One, which is actually very fascinating how that all got together. That the, you know, it was it was like walking down the end of the plank on the ship, and you never know when your foot's going to not find a plank. All these dynasties were all corrupt. They got this massive arms race. They got increases in population. Uh, people are stealing the dough. They, every place has these internal problems, and they're all. And plus, they all blaming it on the neighbor next door. You know, the Germans are blaming it on these guys. The friend, and it, it was just a matter of time before this thing blew up. Yet picking the day, you know, is really hard to do. I mean. I, when I started in the business, Carl, and interest rates were twelve and a half percent, and the market was eight hundred, the Dow was eight hundred. I knew that the only way to go was up, someday. Now the question is, what day? It was like a year and a half. I, I mean, I, we we see this happening, and we see this million dollars every forty seconds, and you and I look at it and go, you know what? Even though we haven't walked the plank yet, it sure doesn't look so hot. What? And then when we, someday it might happen, Carl. Maybe it won't, but it. And we're going to look back and say, why didn't it happen a week before? Why didn't it happen a week? Why didn't the crash of '29 happen a week before or after? It was in the cards for three years, right? Right. I mean, right. I mean, so, I mean that's the, but that's the thing is the triggering event is very difficult to figure out. It was, I okay. think it might be you know if, if it could be something from external. I mean, are we that vulnerable? Or the, or the Saudis say we're not rolling our stuff over? You pissed us off, and I don't ever want to be beholden to those guys. Or the Chinese have we got ourselves into a Financial pickle to where it's becoming a a military problem, that, and I, my my friend Mike thinks we're heading that direction. I do too. I don't think we're there today, but I but the possibility certainly exists. Um, I suspect, though, that like most, you know, like in two thousand, uh, at the instant it happened. Figuring out why you woke up the one morning, you know, the Nasdaq had been detonated, was everybody was scratching their head. Why today? Yeah, why today? Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, the things were stupid and had been stupid for the previous two years was was known, but 
you know, but why was today the day that everybody decided to? And I, you know, I've, I've said before that there's there's always this tension in the market. That somebody wakes up every morning, and they're they got dollar signs in their eyes, right? And they mash the big green button, right? And and somebody else wakes up every morning, and and you know, abject fear. Okay, there's a thousand scorpions crawling on me. <laughs> and yeah. mash the big red button. And when when the huge downdraft comes, it's because none of the guys woke up with the with the greed in their eyes, and all the other guys did. Well, it also usually corresponds, and I haven't checked these lately. Usually corresponds to a a new record margin loans. Yeah, people- it, it it does generally, but I mean, but but the thing is, is that this is this is just sort of the you know this is the nature of crowds. You know, and the and the madness of bubbles in general, and uh, you know, are we are we particularly vulnerable right now? The answer is yes. Um, this is not historically speaking. This is not the right time for it. Okay, I mean, you know, cyclically, they seem to be more common in the fall, but not necessarily. I mean, you know, the Nasdaq was you know was March, right? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, uh, then again, if you if you remember back in two thousand eight. When you know the original Bear Stearns hedge funds were you know end of August, um, and then you had uh, then you had Bear Stearns itself that blew up. That was you know February March of the, of the next year, and yet it all didn't go down the toilet until Lehman. Yeah, it was so, uh, I mean, the handwriting was clearly on the wall. I mean, we had a um, a client that was in one of those original Bear Stearns plays. I, I never put two and two together. I never thought the whole place was in trouble. Well. Uh, neither did most other people. I mean, you know, it looked like it was well. Okay, you had a couple of people did something stupid and they got burned, right? Is there is the fabric of? I was with some people on Wednesday night, and these are all retired guys, and they're like they don't even look at their at their stuff. They, they don't. They, they have no intention ever of selling. There's people who say I've never sold a share ever in my last twenty years. Whatever I buy, I just keep. A couple of them have gone out of business, but you know, it's something. That's the breaks. Is the part that uh, that. That you know maybe the the market fabric that I mean there's never any some of the people that I manage money for I don't do all their stuff I do just the protected stuff I'm gonna say they had Nvidia they wrote it down to 100 and they never even thought of selling I mean it, it's yeah. I mean the, the, the some of the mentality I mean most people uh, sell because they're forced to which usually cause causes is is caused by margin loans or other things happening. And, well, it tends to set off. Yeah, that's that's where the cascade risk comes from, right? Because, you know, the margin clerk calls. Uh, it's not a suggestion, right? I mean, I, well, I mean even though I, mean, I hope everybody knows that, uh, you know, we own a I'm main owner of PTI Securities. We've we've never had that, Carl. We've we've never been a place that had. Uh, I mean, you know, I guess it'd be nice if it was because you make money on interest. But no, nobody's I don't think ever called us and said, "Buy me a." Thousand shares of IBM, which would be 126 grand, will send you a check for 63. We've, right. we've, 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 we always have had positive cash balances. That's why every coin firm loves us because they can loan it out to other people, I guess. But, uh, but I mean, I, I mean, I don't even know. I've never been in a situation on the retail side when our firm where where people had margin calls and we couldn't wait to sell. We, you know, we're, we're trying to sell stock. I mean, fortunately, it's never happened, but it, it does happen, I guess. Uh, oh, it, it absolutely does happen. I mean, you know, and that's one of the things. If it gets started at an institutional level, it gets ugly. Well, because some, some so, of the firms, that's where they make all their dough. Is on them. I mean, people who 
you, you know, you talk about this trade for free stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm going to bet the, the Robin Hoods of the world, even the, the Schwabs and the, the guys that do all the online stuff, they're making all their money in interest. Oh, have you ever have you ever looked at what the margin interest rates look like? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. But I'm saying, thank oh, God we don't God. have anybody on them, you know. We well, I know, but I'm saying, but people are, I mean, people are using that. Well, okay. I shouldn't say, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. We have we have people that have margin interest, but usually it's somebody who says, you know, I, I just, I want to buy my kid a car. Can you guys right. send me a check out of a million dollar account? They pull out 20 grand or something. Yeah, there's, there's margin interest, but it's not, it's never half the account or something like some people have. Well, I had, you know, I had, when, when I moved down to Florida, um, I had a bunch of, of positions that were on, okay, and, and I wrote a check for the house. And, and basically, I put, rather than originate a mortgage for yeah. a month until I could close on the other one, I just paid the margin interest. Right. And it's like, you know, I mean, was was that stupid? No, it wasn't stupid because the origination fee on the mortgage and everything, and, you know, all the costs associated with taking out a note that I was going to pay off in two months, I, the, the margin interest was much cheaper. Plus, we're a lot easier to deal with than a bank. Well, it, yeah, it took me 15 seconds, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, here, set up a wire, send it send it to this escrow company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I just, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to see this happened but it's it's like it's an unforced error in a, in, a, in, a, in a softball game or something or a tennis match I mean we're the 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 US is, if anybody even though we keep beating up on our, our we're almost like self-flagellants on our on our country a little bit but I do it because I want to see us do better I don't want to see somebody from the outside take us over because we can't we can't somehow manage to not spend the right amount of money I mean, I, I just think that I mean, the American experiment is more important now, I think, than it ever was. You see what's happening on all around the rest of the world. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I agree with that. And, and you know, but the, the thing is, is that we have nobody. My biggest concern right now is we have nobody in the political sphere on either side of the aisle. And whether you like it or not, there's two political parties. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I was involved in the Libertarian Party for a while. You can't even get. But here's the thing you can't even get those guys to go after this stuff. No. Right, which is, well, I mean, and that's frightening. And it was one of the reasons that I that I gave up was that I obviously wasn't going to get the Democrats to do it. I wasn't going to get the Republicans to do it. Uh, I thought I could, you know, I could get far enough into the libertarian organization within the state of Florida to possibly prod them to do it, put the logic out. Maybe I could get them to bite on it as a state party. And if they did, then there might be an opportunity to move the conversation. It, is, it, does it win an election? Uh, probably not. No. However, if you can get it into the mainstream part of the political conversation, you can actually make progress. Okay. Well, they wouldn't go anywhere near it either. And and so I, I basically you know, tilted at windmills for a couple of years and then said, okay, you know, this isn't going anywhere. Well, I don't see how but, the, the progress... I mean, I know that you write your stuff. Uh, you come out with us. We're trying to all do something. At least get a message out to somebody somewhere. I I... I'm almost thinking, you know, we're talking about a voice crying in the wilderness. I mean, every every day it seems like these medical conglomerates get bigger. Every day these utilities get bigger and more. This idea here that some people are going to jail in Commonwealth Edison and they get a deferred prosecution and they get a rate increase. I mean, yeah, Carl, we're, we're not even we're we're so far away from what I, I I consider right and wrong. It's not even not even the same planet. I I don't know who, who would have, first of all. I wouldn't want to be the guy to, to had to do all this because I'd be, it'd, it'd be like you know you'd almost have to do like a military takeover. You'd have to walk into these board meetings and walk out with everybody in cloths, cuffs. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, is, know, is, I mean is, is, is Pfizer a lot of the stuff you're talking about? Whether it just passes over, and nobody nobody cares uh, because it, it just goes in the rearview mirror. And nobody wants to address it. All the stuff that was done with this COVID, nobody's ever going to pay for any of this. Well, that's what it looks like. I mean, yeah. but, you know, one of, one of the problems I have with DeSantis, and the reason I wrote the column this morning and, and, and targeted him, is you know, now he's announced he's running for president. Okay, so now he's, he, this isn't speculation anymore. Now he wants to do it. And he's running around touting how he did all these wonderful things. And my my primary problem with this, and him trying to use that as the, you know, the differentiating factor between him and Trump, as an example, um, because they're shooting at each other over this now. Yep. Is that not only has he not said he was sorry and admitted he was wrong. Okay. Yes, he pivoted. Yes, he changed his policies faster than some, slower than others, but he did. Okay. And faster than most, to be fair. However, what he didn't do is say, I screwed up. I was wrong. And here is legislation that makes it impossible for me or anyone else to ever do it again in the state of Florida. You, uh, you're not going to get that on any of these guys. Well, you know what? If I can't have that, then I'm not supporting him. Because it, it, we all are human. We all make mistakes. Okay? But they, if you want to have progress... They, they the know... These guys... How can I put it this way? It doesn't insult you or me. They know their business... A lot better than you and I do. Oh, That's, I understand that. And, and I, and I would one thing that I would, I would say that if I uh, in the show, you know, I come out every day, I can pretty much say what I want. Uh, but I want to say good stuff because I want really good guests here too, and I want people to listen. But so I don't want to be an idiot. But I mean, it, you, you would never in this country, and well, maybe all politics, if you come out one day and give a speech, God, I, I screwed this one up. Or how we'd be make it sound better than that. Somebody somewhere is going to see that and go, "Ah, man, the guy screwed that one up." They're not going to look at the your your intention is. My intention would be, "Hey, we're all human. Everybody screws up once in a while. You're supposed to admit it, learn from it, and go onward." The rest of the world doesn't. F- oh man, the guy didn't. He didn't like. I didn't like this idea that that chief guy said back in you know 2010 on his show or something. I'm never going to vote for him. Well, what about all the other stuff he did that was decent? I, 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 my mind is only capable of, of, is of having one fact about every person. It's, it's a different world. You, 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 can't, you can't get a negative view from anybody, Carol, because the negative view trumps. What's, what's, what was yeah. the... Uh, okay, Chief, so how about, how about this? I, how by the way, I'm, I'm not to... saying that's what I'd like to see. I'm saying it's... Okay, but all right, but how about this? How about we're changing the law so it can't be done again? Well, that, that part... But what, what they used to say in business? How many uh, one one you bleeped up is worth a hundred attaboys? Well, yeah, that's absolutely true. But you know what? That would be an attaboy, right? Because this yeah. is an improvement for the people of the of the state of whatever. Okay. Well, where is that from any of these guys on either side of the aisle? There's none. You know, the, well, why gonna, is it? But how are you going to get? How are you going to get Pritzker to say never again? Can a can a, can a governor have an emergency declaration for like 20 years? I mean, it wasn't 20 years. Well, but... well Pritzker's never going to do it. But you know what? DeSantis could do it. Yeah. Right? DeSantis could. Where Where is the law that says if we declare an emergency, it is only valid for the maximum reasonable amount of time it takes to bring the legislature into session 
and actually pass legislation because this is my my job as governor does include responding to things that happen right now okay okay well in today's world right now on a state-by-state level means uh, two weeks okay but you you're, you're making the assumption and by the way as you well know I'm just taking the other side because if it if it really quote is an emergency or even better if you've sold it as an emergency right what are the chances of the lemmings coming back to the state and voting your saying giving you a vote saying it's not an emergency shut the bleep up well None. you know what very very low but here's the thing now i've got somebody to shoot at if it's stupid right that is a local representative for my district yeah why did you not you know why didn't you well man he had he had the center of disease control on his side he all these people worked for him they gave him this report how was i going to vote against the medical report of our person persons in charge well, well, okay, but you know what? Um, uh, hey, listen, if the people vote for stupid things, then they get stupid things. Well, right? well. I mean, if you, uh, who am I to argue with? I mean, if, if our nation is, you know, is populated by idiots, I'm, well, I that's what like we're, <laughs> that's where, remember? Yeah, I mean, I, I may not like it, but that's the result. Look, I lived in a district in Chicago where we had over 100% turnout in elections. Well, there you go. What do you how mean? To, how to how to blankety blank does that happen? You're right? the you're the 2000, <laughs> 2023 George Carlin. Imagine how how stupid the average person is, and fifty percent of them are stupid. More stupid. <laughs> <laughs> God. Anyway, what are you doing this week? Anything good? Uh, actually, I'm in Florida and uh, coming to you from there, and headed back up uh, the inflate. Boy, I'll tell you what the inflation in like the local food places that I used to hang out at and you know, oh. bars and stuff. Over the, oh my! I'm uh, I'm, I'm going to start learning the. I'm going to start cooking this. I can't even. I can't handle it. I mean, uh, I, I, I was blown away by this. I mean, it was a good trip and we had a lot of fun. But, well, one of the uh, places here oh. that I, and it's just a regular bar restaurant. I mean, it's not even a fancy place. I mean, first it cost me 10 bucks to park the city or 11. I have, you know, two or three glasses of not even the world's best wine. Matter of fact, not even any close in a sandwich. And with a tip, it's, you know, we're talking 75 hours. That's kind of a oh, lot. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I do. Places, places around here that used to have uh, free municipal parking lots uh, a couple of years ago, and then they were a dollar, you know, dollar an hour, which is, I mean, that's not awful. Yeah. Uh, now it's fifteen bucks flat rate. Yeah, it's it's a. It's so a, I go to park the car and I was like, uh, okay, when did that happen? But well, I think, obviously, but there's, well, I didn't live here. But there's five percent of the population has so much money now they don't do with it. Well, they and the thing is, though, the place, I mean, it's very well known around here. It, it was absolutely jammed to the rafters. So, um, okay, you know, hey, listen, if you can do that and people keep going and keep paying, that who's, who's to argue? You're a businessman. You're obviously well, how many, but how many, money. How many places used to be in the area are gone? Well, there's there's been quite a bit of shifting going on in that area. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, um, you, know, you, can only, you can only, you know, cheer the saloon. So much that's crowded with the other three saloons on the block didn't make it through COVID. Well, yeah, exactly. But you know, but then again, sometimes the cream does rise to the top, right? Well, that's I mean, true. It ends up costing you more money. They get more money out of the government, maybe. Well, who knows? <laughs> Carl, have a great uh, weekend, buddy. SP Futures up. Drive safe. You're going back up Tennessee. Uh, yep. SP Futures up nine. NASDAQ Futures up fifty. Uh, back on Tuesday. Tuesday. Stocks and jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. 
Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at ptiprodirect.com. Nadex, offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Chiromed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.